1: From Jordan, which true sophomores that haven't made an impact yet makes the biggest impact in two thousand and twenty three?
2: So offensively, I think that to me is yes, one hundred percent impact. He had one catch. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Uh, Defensively, it's the linebackers to me. Jalen Snead and Nolan Ziegler are the two that pop out to me first and foremost. They they are the ones that I think you know because because I, I, part of me wants to say Jaden Mickey, but I kind of feel like... I, that was the name on the tip of my tongue. Because he didn't play a lot last year. Right, right. It's so like, what's your definition of
1: made an yeah. impact? You know what I yeah. mean? Because he was the yeah. talk of Spring ball when he was a true freshman, right? And then he played a bunch. He played a right. bunch last year. So,
2: right. And 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 he had some bad moments, but Jaden Mickey was had some good moments as well. It's just sure. like with any cornerback, you don't ever talk about the good moments because you don't see them unless you're at the stadium and you're actually, for some reason watching the right. corners play. Most people don't. Most even at the stadium, most people follow the ball. Right. Absolutely. So, they're they're watching the line. What do you think about Jadarian Price? He could well if if it wasn't for if you said, "Okay, which true sophomore not named Tobias?" Would be that guy. Then I would put Jadari in that conversation. I put him in that conversation. I put Holden Stace in that conversation, okay. and I'd put Billy Shrouth in that conversation. Like Billy Shrouth's the other Duh. one on offense that I could yeah. see Duh. being that yeah. guy. Absolutely, that could make an impact. So <clears throat> those, those would be it. It, it. Defensively, we talked about those guys. You know, maybe t- hopefully, hopefully someone we're not thinking about. I could see Junior Chilamaka being that guy, especially if there's an injury. Josh Burnham, Tyson Ford. Uh, so there's going to be plenty yeah. of candidates in the sophomore class. It's a very good class. It's It'll have a shot.
1: Class. Yeah,
2: and in past years, it would have been it would have been uh, even more involved. So yeah, it, it's it, it'll be interesting, it'll be very interesting.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice
1: From Christopher Crosby, am I remembering correctly that you gave Cole Mullins a four and a half star upside grade? If so, what do you need to see from him to get to that that five star?
2: I'm finding it hard to find holes in his game. To me, I just I I agree with you to to the point of uh, there's not a lot of holes in his game, other than just he hasn't played a ton of defensive end, right? Because he's played a lot of linebacker. The reason I don't quite put him into I don't know that there's anything he can do to have a five star upside is twofold number one is I'm trying to be a little bit more picky with the five star upside grades and number two I I, I'd, I'd need to see him give me more of a burst athletically this year like I think he's a very good athlete especially for his size but I just would need to see him take a little bit more of a step forward from an explosiveness standpoint Uh, before i'd put him in a five star i I think he's kind of four and a half stars right now where i would project he stays unless for some reason we go out there this spring and i'm like wow his step his get off is even more even more explosive like way more than it was last year would be the be the way for me to get him there that that would be my my take
0: i'm gonna ask this one vince because i don't watch
2: enough nfl to answer this if you could add any in it, two NFL players to the, to this year's Notre Dame – oh, to this year's Notre Dame team. Never mind, I can answer this one. Uh, who would you – not in QB, who would you pick? Mine would be Micah Parsons and Justin Jefferson. Well, that would be pretty great. <laughs> I, I, I would only take Notre Dame players, to be completely honest with you. So, like, for me, I would only say – but here's one. Here's a good one. I, I would take Quentin Nelson and put him right mm-hmm. at left guard mm-hmm. and it put Billy Strouth at right guard. And say, try and stop you, me from running the football. Yeah, you'd be pretty nasty. And you'd my my nasty. one on defense is also an easy one. Um, excuse me, Harrison. <laughs> uh, do you got? You, can you come play for us this year? Right. So yeah, Quentin Nelson and Harrison Smith would be my picks. Two couple of well, All due respect guys. to Zach Martin, because I I mean you you're not wrong with Zach Martin either. I'd be fine with sure. that too. Yeah, I'm just I'm just got this thought of left side, you know, with Quentin and because Zach plays right guard in the right? He does. Yeah. So, but you're going you to bring them both back. back. Oh, a couple guards. Well, well, if those were your both. two picks, I mean, that'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if your two picks were those two guys, but I'm, well, I'd, I'd love to see Harris Smith back.
1: Yeah. He, he would, team. Uh, he would take the safety position
2: and I wouldn't be worried about it anymore. Agree.
1: <laughs> With an X back there.
2: Agree. Be, yep. I right. just saw NFL and thought, oh, I can't answer that because I don't watch enough NFL. <laughs> yeah. But I can do that one. Uh, For Vanilla Chill, favorite video
1: game growing up? This is easy for me.
2: Well, it depends on which part of growing up we're talking about. So, okay. like, when I was a little kid, I had different games I liked. You know, I liked playing Legend of Zelda. Mario Brothers was pretty awesome. uh Contra was pretty awesome, especially when I finally figured out the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start. You know, which you get the <laughs> unlimited lives, basically. Uh, but uh, my favorite, because I am grew up in Nintendo, my favorite... Yeah. If I can only pick one, it's Tecmo Bowl and Super Tecmo Bowl would be would be at the end of the day the ones that I went with. Now, as I got older and I was in high school and college, it was NCAA football. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, that was my favorite game. But those, those are my favorite. I mean, There's a lot of fun games I played. Uh, there was a game, uh, RBI Baseball was pretty fun. But the other one that I really liked was Baseball Legends. Me and my dad would play this. Right, Vincent? And you could create your own team and you could build up your own team. Here's the only problem. They didn't have memory back then. Nah. But once you turn the game off... It's, so it's over. Gone. It's over. So we would leave it on overnight. <laughs> so we come back and play it the next day. And then it. when it would like all of a sudden it would like start flickering, remember when it went out? And you're like, no. Oh yeah. I remember. But, uh, baseball legends was pretty cool. Okay, that was a fun one too. Yeah. Those, those are I think it was called baseball legends. I think is what it was called. But yeah, those are those RBI baseball is fun. Those are but but if I had, can only pick one, it's super tech mobile growing up. Mine uh, was that
1: I had the most fond memories playing. I was always a sports video game guy. uh, And this was before NCAA football came out. There was a game called College Football's National Championship. Okay. And it was from the early 90s. And my buddy and I just played the mess out of that game. And it was old school, uh, but it was so much fun. And we would just play that for hours and hours and hours on end. Uh, but it's college football. It's college football's national championship. Great game. I can't even remember what system it was. Uh, it hmm, it might have been a PlayStation Two, but I think it was too early for that. So it, might, it when it wasn't Nintendo, I don't think I don't know. But it was great. I love that game so much. Uh, growing up, so
2: that's mine. Good one. We got a baseball question out here, Vince. I wanted to get Ooh, to here okay. real quick. From this is this name is hilarious geriatric. That's hilarious. <laughs> very funny. You're very good. There's a couple the, baseball questions that, that we have down here. Do you think any of these MLB records will ever be approached? Uh,
1: Ryan's 5,714 strikeouts, Cal's 2,632 game streak uh, playing in a row, Henderson's 1,406 steals, or Cy Young's 511 wins? If so, which is most likely
2: well I, I mean i i think i think all those records are basically unbreakable the way that baseball Correct. is played now right like steals are not a thing anymore like no, they, nobody nobody does that anymore really they are coming back now that they made the bases bigger but, but not not but to the, not the degree that it was when 100 Anderson a year playing exactly. right exactly right. Right. Uh, so no, I mean, you'd have, if you played 14 years, you'd have to average hundred stolen yeah. bases per year. I right. mean, that's just, and he played so
1: long. I mean, right. career was I mean so long. Vince
2: last year, the, the guy that led major league baseball on stolen bases last year had 41. Right. What is it this right. year?
1: Cause there was some decent numbers at the all-star break. Do you have that? I mean, you're so much faster at looking really things quick. up than
2: I am. Uh, 43, Okay. and 41 and then after that it's 28 so you have yeah. two guys that are there but they're over half the, they're already playing over half the year it's 85 and 89 games okay so yeah. they're on pace for like 70 some steals you know R- ricky henderson had i mean what 100 i mean he would steal 100 bases a season and like you said he he played so long i, I just feel like you don't see guys playing that long anymore either because they make it so much money them. They make so yeah. much money now. And, and it's 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 like it's like NFL and, and NBA. It's just become a, a younger man's game. Sure. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a smart thing. That's just the reality. Right. You know, But you look at Ricky Henderson. He played forever, but he also stole a lot of bases. I mean, his first three, four full years, he was 156, 130, 108. He had 80, 87, 93, 77. But he did it. I mean, he was 39 years old and he stole right. 66 bases. I mean, he exactly. stole 31 at at the age of uh 41 you're just not going to see that anymore nope uh no nope. some other you'll never see up, cy young's win record ever again like nobody nobody pitches that much no like, no No. you win every right. start that you make and you may not get to 511 right. wins. i mean think about this vin vince uh if you 511 wins if you've pitched for 20 years You'd have to average twenty five point six wins per year, and twenty wins a year is a thing of the past. Basically, yeah, nobody's getting twenty wins a year anymore. Right, right? that's not a thing because you're also because of for a host of reasons, but mainly because guys just the the, the I mean, it used to be when you started a game, you finished it. Correct, not just. But look here here's the all time wins leader, and and tell me how far we got to get to to get anyone even remotely in the modern era. Cy Young, Walter Johnson. And by the way, Cy Young's almost a hundred ahead of Walter Johnson. <laughs> Grover, Cleveland Alexander, Christy Matthewson, Bud Palvin, Warren Spawn, Kid Nichols, Greg Maddox. So other than Greg Maddox, the next oldest player, I believe, is like Warren Spawn, mm-hmm. who played in the 60s. I mean, all those other guys played like pre-World War One. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like 300, Ni- yeah, wins is, is now like unreachable. Yeah. Kid Nichols played in the 1800s for most of his career. <laughs> Pud Galvin died in 1902. You know what I mean? Like Christy <laughs> Mathewson played in the 1800s. Uh, Grover Cleveland Alexander played in the early 1900s, he died in 1950. Uh, Walter Johnson uh, pitched in the early 1900s, right? I mean, so. These are guys that played in a. I mean, the the game is not really so recognizable different. compared to yeah. where it is now, and that's also so, why you're never going to see nobody anybody break Nolan Ryan's record either. Correct. Just because they're just not pitching as much, right? It's
1: just it, you're just not. You're not. They're not putting in the innings to get that many strikeouts. Right. There's just no nor, way. Nor
2: do they do you see the the same longevity right. now because he pitched uh, well into his 40s. Correct. Correct. And he was and he was striking guys out. Well into his forty, oh. and, and it's another one. It's like yeah. when you're when you're when the record is when you're so much further ahead of anyone else with a record, it's it's hard to break. He's almost a thousand strikeouts ahead of number two.
1: <laughs> Who's and number two? And, Randy, and, Johnson? Randy
2: Johnson. Yeah, and and number four, he is sixteen hundred ahead of the number four guy, Steve Carlton. Yeah, yeah. like that's just. Right. That's nuts. There's just no way. Right. And, and here's the thing. Right. He pitched over a thousand more innings than Randy Johnson. Right. Like Randy Johnson actually had a better strikeout K nine rate than Nolan Ryan, but he didn't pitch as long. Right. He pitched like five fewer seasons. And the end of his career was in a time when he wasn't in the era where you were pitching 300 innings. I mean, that's exactly. the other part of it too, is, is Nolan Ryan had over 300 innings twice in his career had over 200 innings. Let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12 times. He was over 200 and he was over 130 like over 20 seasons. So it's just, it's just a different era. It really is, Vince. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You just, you're with just, pitch you're not, counts counts yeah,
1: all that stuff. It's just from a pitching stand, it's no
2: the way. leader, Vince, the leader in innings pitched last year was Sandy Alcantara with 228. The next closest was 205. Yeah. If you look at Nolan Ryan's career, he had more than 228, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times in his career. Mm-hmm. And then two other times was in the two twenties. <laughs> so it's just it's just such a different era. Right. Right? Absolutely. And so that so if I were to rank them and then with the the streak, it's the same thing. It's wor- load management. Load management, exactly You're right. You're not gonna see it. He's yep. not going to see it anymore. That's why so, it, it's
1: hard for me to go to uh, a professional game—baseball, basketball, whatever. Not not so much football, but the other ones. It's like, what if my favorite
2: player's not playing? But like, that right. would suck. Right. And you don't know going in. So what I would say in those records, Vince, the one that could potentially be broken if the is is stolen bases is the most likely to be broken because the game could change. And right. evolve back to where steals become a thing again, and and it's the, the game is not going to yeah. change because there's so much money involved, and you're investing so much money. The In reason arms. you would have a guy pitch nine innings every time is because if you if you if you couldn't go, okay, well, we're not we're not investing anything. I mean, you didn't pay players right. back then hardly anything, so it wasn't a loss to you. Just turn out the next guy, right? I right. mean, exactly. you also weren't pitching full from what I understand and you I didn't watch games in the 1800s, but you weren't pitching full <laughs> velocity and full effort. Like you are now sure. as much, you know what I mean? So you could throw 200 pitches in a game and your arm not fall off, you know, but you're never going to do something like that with a modern player. And nope. rightfully so, because I'm investing $250 million in this guy. Yep. I didn't make sure I keep him healthy. Absolutely. Right. And so you're going to sacrifice certain things. Well, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just making the point. That's absolutely of, what it is. That's it is what fact. it is. Right. Yeah. Just a fact. Uh, so, uh, so to me, the streak could be second is the second most likely to be broken correct. because again you could just get that guy that says hey i don't care i want to play right. every day i don't care especially now that both leagues are in the dh now that there's a dh in both it leagues could be so a DH. you correct you could take your star batter off of the field and dh him and he's still playing in that game and so i would say that's i would actually pay, say that's number 1 uh but you could argue that's number 1 but again there's such a longevity to that yeah I mean, so to how many so years are, is that divided by 162? Yeah, right. And that's 16 straight years plus of never yeah. taking a day off. It's hard right. to play 16 years enough. Correct. Uh strikeouts would probably be number three, and the wins record will never be touched. Never. Never be touched. I don't think either one of the
1: pitching records
2: will be Agreed. touched. The uh, only the only reason I could say the strikeout one is because again, I could see evolution in the game to where the way batters play, strikeouts sure. skyrocket. Well, like, and that, that is kind of actually story, you know I mean? kind of
1: what's going on right now. Is it's either exactly. a strikeout or a home run. Like base hits right. are down this right. year. I'm mean, not this year, but like in this era, base hits aren't a thing. You
2: could you know find I mean? some rubber armed guy that just pitches for a long time in an era sure. where strikeouts are high. That maybe could touch it, but Man, but again, I got to pick between one of the two. And the reality right. is, is there's the the win record. There's a like here's here's why I say it, Vince. Number two and three of the strikeout records are somewhat from this generation. Mm-hmm. Randy, I would consult Randy Johnson and Roger Clemens of sort of uh, from this generation. Sure. Meaning they played 80s or later, yep. basically how I look at it. And you've got Max Scherzer, for example, is 12th all time. And Justin Verlander's 13th all time. I mean, you could somewhat see it, even though here's the crazy thing is Max Scherzer has more strikeouts than anybody – in baseball right now, he's thirty-eight years old, and he's twenty-five hundred strikeouts away from Nolan Ryan. <laughs> so, but the win wow. record to me is just so crazy because there's this no one in the modern graphic. generation that uh, ha- has come ever close to. I mean, Greg Maddox yeah. is the is the closest to it. He's like three hundred
1: something, doesn't he? Yeah, he
2: had three hundred fifty-five. Yeah. I mean, he's 156 away from it, right? I mean, who's the who's the highest guy now? M- m- the most wins of a current player? I don't see. I don't. I mean, you're a bunch of guys. Justin Verlander's 208. Yeah, it's I mean, like he'll never how long get to he's played. He'll never huh? get to 300. He's on the he's no. on the down like the way downside yes. of his career. Yes. So I wonder how updated this is. I wonder what Justin Verlander's current stats are. I wonder if that's actually an updated uh, updated win-loss totals. Actually, real quick, let me just check that real fast, Vince. Where is Justin Verlander right now? Stats, all-time wins. He is at 247. So this is a bit of an older list, but I, I believe he's still the highest of the mo- most wins in the I current that'd game. I think that would be accurate, yeah. And he is still not even halfway to where, to where Cy Young right, is.
1: Right. I – it's going yeah. to be a challenge for him to get to 300. Correct. Because I, I heard somebody debate: Will there ever be another 300 game winner? And that's that's a legit
2: debate. I could see that. I could see that happening. I could see that happening. It's obviously much more yeah. likely than a lot of these. Be- because but- the thing with Justin Verlander is, I mean, he he started. He had some years where he had some injuries. He went through a stretch where he had some injuries. You know, he only pitched five games in 17. Only pinched one game because of 2020. You give him those two full seasons, and let's see, he averages 15 wins. He's over 260. Sure. Now you're now you're like, okay, I, I want to keep pitching to get to 300. I could see that, right? I could I could see that. He had another year we only pitched 20 games because of an injury. Okay, so right, so I mean, I could see a guy that that pay, plays as long as Justin Verlander, but doesn't have the three lost seasons. One because of COVID, and then two because of injury, sure. and he could get to 300. I think that's more doable. Uh, but the, the strikeouts and the, the career wins will never be touched, never come close to being touched. Next question was, uh, what's the next most unbreakable record? It might be the consecutive games hit streak by Joe DiMaggio. I'd put that over Ricky Steele's, especially over Ryan's K's. Strikes are more than ever in, uh, I, in MLB. The most strikeouts are more than ever, but they're still nowhere close to where Nolan Ryan
1: is. I would also say the over 400 uh, batting average. I don't know that we'll ever see that again. Is it possible? Sure. But with the way things go with batting and the way certain things are emphasized, base hits aren't a thing. And Mm -hmm. averages aren't a thing. So I don't see the 400 400 hitter happening ever again.
2: And and the reason I don't agree with the strikeout thing, too, again, is because you just don't see guys playing as much as long. I mean, last year there were – there were only 11 guys last year to have over 200 strikeouts. The leader was Garrett Cole at 257. Just for comparison's sake, I'm going to go back to Nolan Ryan again. Nolan Ryan had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years that were more than 257. He, you know what I mean? Like He sure. had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years of over 200 strikeouts, and then two more in the 190s. It's just, again, because he, he – pitch he pitched so much right i mean guys just don't pitch that much anymore so even if your k9 is a lot better than his because of the era it's about opportunity yeah. the opportunity's not there i could see someone breaking joe dimaggio's record before i could see someone breaking the 400 in my opinion yeah i agree but that's a lot of games that's man. a lot in the closest i think was what pete rose got the 44 right and that's i think so and now, the crazy thing about Pete ago. Rose is he went 44, got it broke, and then went, like, on another, like, 20, 30 games with a hit. It's crazy. That was the crazy thing about that. But, yeah, I just – because of walks are so prominent now, too, because on-base percentage is emphasized. you know, you're just not – sometimes – well, I assume. I don't think the game has changed that much in the last three years since I've stopped watching it. I, it's still about on-base percentage and all that stuff. It's still a big thing, right? That's why it's like strike – walk, strikeout, or home run. From what I understand, still kind of the way it's played. So I, I think I think that'll be one. I yeah. Here's a record that I I mean, I think home run records are ones that could could fall. I, I think sure. those are still much more reachable, especially oh, sure. now that the DH is in both leagues. Yes. There's just more DH opportunities for older guys to play longer. Like Aaron when Aaron Absolutely. Judge stops being able to to play play outfield, he's gonna move to DH and play five more years. 100 percent You know, a guy like that kind of thing. Uh so the home run records, like I mean, Aaron, Aaron. I actually think Aaron Judge obviously is is has had one of the more impressive seasons statistically. You know, again, I, I didn't actually watch it a lot, but statistically, because he hit what well, did he hit 60 home runs a couple years ago, right? Yeah,
1: I think so. Um well he you know he yeah, because he broke the Yankee record, uh which right. 61.
2: Right. So. And so he hit 62. And and honestly, to me, that's that's the record for me. Aaron Judge to me is the all-time home run leader. Because of Aaron Judge was on steroids like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds, he would have, you know, he would, he could have maybe hit 70 as well. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm one of those ones that I completely ignore the steroid era. I just, I do. But, um you know, I mean, you, you could see that. I mean, you, we just saw a guy hit 60 home runs, right? That's pretty impressive. You know, Aaron judge is how old is he? He is 31 and he's got 239 home runs and that's a guy that missed you know if not for covid he's over 250 i mean you know what i mean so i could i could see something like that where a hitter could get there but like the 300 the 400 the the 50 game hit streak the baseball's got so many stats, so many records that are just going to be hard to to yeah. beat because the game has changed so much and and it's the complete opposite of nfl where the nfl the the modern game is the more vo- voluminous from a stat standpoint absolutely right? where in in major league baseball it's the the origins of the game where when the statistics were so insane at certain right. positions right? right home runs but more so the pitching stuff like the pitching the pitching stuff like the pitching records will like most of those will never be touched yep uh, for starters for starters Correct, right? I don't know relievers, maybe not, but for starters,
1: well, so. things like uh, you know the fastest pitch or you know things that like right. saves, maybe you know those kinds of things. The sure. fastest
2: pitch isn't really a record, yeah, especially, Right? So we don't really know how fast guys pitch back then. I mean, we've heard stories That's about true. Walter Johnson and all that. I mean, you know who knows? I mean, Sandy Koufax was getting his uh, how fast he pitched evaluated literally on a cop speeding thing. You know what I mean? Those those. I mean, we don't really know, but yeah, actual statistical ones will be tough. It'll Be really tough because it's just like you said, the game has changed so much. Let's get back on track to some football questions here, Vince. Connor Grant,
1: what would surprise you more, Maris Leofile being an All American this season or Audric Estime winning the
2: Heisman? Marist being Marist. an All American, yeah. I mean, we, we talked earlier about now, would I be does Maris have the potential to be that? I mean, sure, I mean, we we, we he's got ability, it's just I don't see that happening. Sure. Audric, we talked about who would Notre Dame's two best yeah. Heisman candidates be this year. It's, He's it's number two, Sam Hartman and Audrick. Yeah, you know? and I, I don't think either of them are going to do it because I don't know if Notre Dame's going to have the gaudy numbers to right. win a Heisman. But if Notre Dame's undefeated, they'll have a shot. You know, right. they'll have somebody in there. Super chat from Connor.
1: Thank you very very much. Which is the better team, Sam Hartman on last year's team or Tyler
2: Buckner on this year's team? Well, I, I just think this year's team still better. A better team i think last year's team might might have had a better record but i still think this year's team would be better i i look we've vince we've been talking about 2023 for a while now mm-hmm. so if, if tyler buckner was healthy all year last year then then i think this team would still be better there's yeah. no doubt yep but more pieces. if you could tell me that he was going to be healthy for 12 games i think this team would be very good i don't know if they'd be as good as sam hartman but you know like with Sam Hartman on this year's team. Like, I don't know if this year's team is better with Tyler than it would be with Sam. What I'm saying is this year's team with Tyler is still better than last year's team. With Sam is what I'm saying. That's so it's interesting question. Uh,
1: Another super chat from that one guy. One five. Since we're all talking
2: a little baseball thoughts on Ellie De La Cruz. I've only seen a couple highlights on Twitter, but he seems to have an incredible swing. He's got a he's a bit, he's big. He's a big, strong kid. He's athletic. He's He's athletic as all watch him swing. He's got a
1: really athletic swing. He's athletic as all get out. The you know, the night that he stole three bases on two pitches, basically, he stole second, third, and home. Uh, which I mean, I, I I put that more on the Brewers being stupid than I do on him. But, but he you took advantage. The athletic dude to take advantage of it. Right? He took advantage of it. They just decided not to cover third base twice in the same pitch, and uh, he was able to take advantage of it. But uh, you still got to do that, and he did. And I hope he's not a flash in the pan, you mm-hmm. know, because obviously he was a midseason call up, you know, all that kind of stuff. But man, he's a big, strong dude. Well, he
2: was considered a top prospect, right? I mean, so yeah, it's I, I believe so. Nowhere.
1: so yeah. he's he's. He is—he's uh, an athlete, man. He looks like a football I player.
2: I haven't watched him play yet. I've just seen some highlights, but he sure. seems to play with some swagger too. And I like baseball players to have fun. Like I grew up watching Ken Griffey Jr. and he would put his hat on oh. backwards and had fun playing the game. I, I, sure. I like—I enjoy that. Well, and he—he he, he seems to play hard too. From what I'm he told, he does. Him. He plays very
1: hard. And I—they tried like uh, one of—they're playing the Nationals, and they tried to say that he was using a corked bat. Right. And so they had his bat and they were looking at it. And what he did was he kind of carved the um the heel of the bat into like a point at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Does not help you hit, but whatever. They were looking at it and whatever. Finally he goes and gets a regular bat. That that at bat, he hits a freaking Moonshot, and that's where we pointed the second at the bat. De- and he points at the bat and then starts running.
2: Like that was I like that perfecto, yeah. man. Like I saw the tweet about that. Yeah. That was
1: good. awesome. He's like, hey, there it's this one. Okay. And then he just starts yeah. running. Then he starts running. Like I I, I dug that. That was good. Yeah, I like that. All right. Let's uh we got, hey, we got a first timer Vince. Oh, baby. Benjamin Fleming. First question ever for you all. Who is the one recruit or transfer in the past 10 years? who has impacted the
2: program, and or the Notre Dame family the most. Oh, boy. So we're going back to basically, as we talked before, the 2014 class essentially would be the last 10 years. The first one that
1: comes to mind would be
2: Aloe Gilman. Yeah, that's definitely the transfer. Him and Jack Cohn are the two transfers because I don't know how Notre Dame's 2021 season would have gone if Jack Cohn's not here. Oh, my goodness. I I completely agree, and he doesn't get enough credit for that. Mm -mm. Nope. So, but I'd, I'd still have to go to Alohi because he was here for more years. He was part of a better team. And he was a great leader. I mean, yeah, yeah. 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 Alohi had a big impact. Yes, he did. Tre- the recruit, I mean, because you could, Quentin Nelson's one that pops in my head. Uh, he was a great player. That's a good one, man. I, I don't know if recruit, I could just narrow it down to one. I mean, look, the best player, in my opinion, the name's had in the last 10 years is Quentin Nelson, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yep. So i'd I'd have to I'd have to go with him. But I'm I'm hoping, when we do this
1: question on July 14th next year, that the answer was Sam Hartman, yeah, and that he and that he impacted the program so much that they won a national championship. Like that yeah. would be then he yeah. vaults to the top of that list. But yep. as of right now, he has not done that, and so he's not on this list.
2: Here's, a, here's one from Holtz My Beer that I, I wanted to get to, Vince. Holtz My Beer. I like that. Brian is
1: the clearest path to a Notre Dame national championship to follow the Clemson route, like in 2016 and 2018. In that, it's going to come down to us landing an elite quarterback like
2: Lawrence. Well, I don't think it has to be an elite quarterback. I just think it has to be a really good one. Sure. Like I, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is the only quarterback that could have won a championship for Clemson in 2018. You know, I mean I, that team was loaded. Sure, like, But now they would have needed a really good one to compete against sure. Tua and Kyler Murray and guys like that. But look, the, the Clemson path, I was, I'm with you on the Clemson path. In but it's that. different. It's different. Right. It's Clemson the, has not recruited a lot of highly ranked classes, meaning bingo. like top two and three. And the best class they ever had is part of their most recent team, which is underachieved yeah. compared to past seasons. It's look, you've you, you got to go out and get the elite players. What Clemson did great was sometimes that elite player was a highly ranked recruit like a Trevor Lawrence, a Deshaun Watsons, or Deshaun, you know, Sammy, Sammy uh Watkins, uh, Dexter Lawrence. You know, there's plenty of highly ranked guys, Christian Wilkins that they've got, T. T. Higgins, Justin Ross. But then there's also being great evaluators and getting the great team guys, right? The guys that aren't elite players, but are just great team guys. You know, you think of a lot of their offensive linemen. You think of James Skalski. You think of you know uh, players like that then you've got to be great evaluators you know get those guys that that turn out to be stars but maybe people didn't think they were going to be stars when you got them when Trevor Travis Etienne committed Notre Dame Notre Dame I wish uh, committed to Clemson (laughs) he was not considered an elite recruit he was some people had him as a three-star even when he signed yeah Uh, uh, Isaiah Simmons was a three-star recruit when he picked Clemson right they've had guys like that too uh, that were not highly ranked guys. It turned out to be really good football players, and so it's it's evaluation is the key, and the key is get great players. I don't care if they're three stars, four stars, or five stars. Get great players, and and so that's the path. And 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 also it's about team building, not always about getting the best player. When Clemson started focusing on just landing big time recruits all the time, that's when their program took a step back. That hurt Urban Meyer at Florida as well. He just started loading up on best players he could get from all over the country. And those guys all came in with different agendas and things like that, and their team faltered after Tim Tebow left. They were never the same after that. When I say Tim Tebow, it's him and his group, the Brandon Spikes, the guys like that, right, that sure. were the heart and soul of those teams. They were never the same after those guys left because it became a it's, – it's it was about me and how Urban Meyer recruited. And, and so uh, – it's about building the team the right way. I don't think you're going to recruit the number one to two classes like Alabama, and Georgia do, uh, which means your five star receiver needs to be a Will Fuller, not a Julio Jones, right? Meaning a guy that isn't a highly ranked recruit that you identify as a guy I really like. It means your five star defensive end is going to be Isaiah Foskey, not Keon Keeley. It means your five star cornerback is going to be Isaiah is going to be Benjamin Morrison, not Kool Aid McKinstry. Meaning it's I love the talent, but he's gonna to need to develop. He's not he's an under recruited guy, like we like the earlier question. It's finding guys like that. And and on top of when you can get a key on, get a key on. I'm not saying don't recruit those guys, you have to recruit those guys. But if you're gonna to get to the point where you can win a championship to start getting those players, then you need to hit some home runs with your evaluations, like you do with Tyler Eifert, like you did with Benjamin Morrison, Joe Walt. Isaiah Foskey, Jeremiah Wusukoramoa, Will Fuller, on and on and on. Ronnie Stanley, uh, Mike McGlinchey, some of your best players in Notre Dame. CJ ProSize, as somebody was bringing up earlier. CJ was a three-star kid that nobody, you know, they didn't beat anybody big for that kid. Turned out to be a pretty heck of an athlete that was a big-time football player. So you've got to be able to evaluate those kind of kids. And Clemson did a great job of that on top of getting some of the big-time recruits. But at the end of the day, you need more elite players. Nobody is arguing that Notre Dame does not need more elite players. The argument is, does that mean they have to sign guys that are ranked number two in the country? Or right. if they can load up on the Morrisons, the Uso the Alts, the guys like that, can they be a great team? And my answer is, yes, they can as long as they have the right guy quarterback. Now, if it's a C.J. Carr, who's a highly ranked recruit, great. If it's a Sam Hartman, who wasn't but turned into one, great. It just But you need to be better at that position. There's no doubt. Notre Dame has had teams good enough to compete for a title yep. if they had the right quarterback. Yep. You put Lamar Jackson, who was at Louisville in 2017, on Notre Dame's 2017 team, they could have won a title. Right In 2018, if you'd have put Trevor Lawrence or Tua or Kyler Murray on Notre Dame's 2018 team, they could have won a title. They've been in those – and I think the 2015 team, if Malik doesn't get hurt, has a chance to win a title that year. I still will say that. Even with Brian Van Gorder's sorry tale, they'd have <laughs> had a shot to beat anybody that year if Malik was the quarterback. So uh, they've been close. It's just they got to get better at quarterback. So I, I just – and that, those are reasons why I just reject this notion, Vince, that Notre Dame just can't recruit with the big boys. Right. And then it's always – yes, they can. They just haven't been able to put it all together – Especially at the quarterback position from a development standpoint. So do better there and you'll be able to compete. But yes, the Clemson path is the way that Notre Dame needs to build, not the Georgia path, Correct. not the Dama path. It's yep. it's the Clemson path is yep. the way to find do. the right guys, develop them. Absolutely. Right. And scheme it up, coach and them scheme up. Scheme it up. You know? Absolutely.
1: Yes. Because right. that's been an issue as well. Yep. At certain places. Yep. Remington Jeans. At what point? Can Notre Dame break the incoming transfer quarterback cycle? Thanks, guys. You all are killing the game. Thank, Thank you, you for you, that. appreciate it. I, I hope it's next year as far
2: as the starter. Right. right? And that's right. the key,
1: right? Because I think right. they are going to bring in a transfer next year for 24, exactly. but I don't know that they're bringing a transfer in to be the starter. Right. That'll be that the remains term to how be seen. the season goes. Correct. That remains to be like, seen. Let's say
2: Kenny Minchie just kills it this season. And he's the guy he beats Steve Angeli out and Steve leaves. You're going to need to go to the transfer portal. Even to. if you know, Kenny's going to be your guy. Correct. Right. Or, or vice versa, Steve does or whatever, or there's a chance that nobody does and you need to bring in a starter. I hope that that's not the case, but correct. The, le- the, the last year you want to be there is 24. Uh, that's just, but the look, what what we're going to find is that in over the next decade, if they don't tra- change the transfer rules to where you got to sit out a year, you're going to see more and more teams need to go to the portal for backup quarterbacks. Yep, that's just going to be a fact. It's going to be hard to keep four guys yeah. that you. It's going to be hard to keep in. three guys.
1: Yeah, right. Vince.
2: I mean, reality is yeah. it's going to be hard to keep three guys. So that's um, yeah, that's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. Berkey, 03, What role do you expect Carter
1: to have? Maybe somebody year? Antonio, right? Yeah, I think so too.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with a very key rotation player that maybe by the end of the season is a starter. I think he's going to be a good football player for Notre Dame. I, I really like the transfers they get on defense, and we don't talk Me about them a ton. I love Thomas Harper if he can be yeah. healthy. I really like the Javante Jean-Baptiste pickup. Not that he's going to be a star, but he's just going to fit what, what the they're need trying to do on defense this yeah, year. A he lot feels better, the need. You know? Right. And then, of course, I really like the Antonio Carter pickup uh, sure. uh, uh, quite a bit. Uh, now, his he could have an even bigger impact next year than this year. But even this year I think Antonio Carter's going to have to play a lot of football for them and and could end up being a starter for him if Ramon Henderson and DJ Brown though yeah. don't, don't play better. Yep.
1: Nope. So I think it's there's going to be a competition for that second safety spot and I don't I don't know if he's going to be able to break through. I don't know, but I think he's going to play. Yeah. yeah. Agree. Agree. Uh Super chat from Nathan, thank you very much. Who developed Hartman and does he get enough credit?
2: Uh Warren Ruggiero, and no he doesn't. Because not only did he develop Sam Hartman, but he turned Jamie Newman into something that everybody at Georgia and other teams wanted, and I never thought Jamie Newman was that good. Yeah. But Warren Ruggiero developed him to the point where people wanted Jamie Newman. And and Georgia fans thought that this was some giant, great pickup in the transfer portal, or in it was a transfer. And I was like, I don't see it. I think he's an athletic guy, but I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. It's just that system really did a good job of developing him. And so, no, Warren Ruggiero does – not get enough credit for that but he's also a guy that i think is at his level i think he is where he needs to be right you know but no he doesn't get a good enough enough credit for that absolutely not absolutely not all right let's get to work we we don't have a ton of time left so we got a couple non-football questions then we'll get back and finish up with a few football questions all righty from joe
1: irish brian as a fellow history lover what is the moment in american history that makes you want to yell america for me it's the Doolittle Raids in Tokyo.
2: Yeah, um, th- those ones would not be it for me because they didn't really have much impact on the war other than just kind of letting people know, like, hey, we can do this. And we're you know, still we, here. We, like like, it, like more of a motivational yeah. thing, right? But as right. far as like actual impact, they didn't, the bombs didn't have a ton of ton of impact. Uh, you know, for me, man, there's a lot of, look, there's a lot of Revolutionary War ones that that's like, just kind where of... my like, mind goes. For me, it's just like one of the stories that I've that I, that I heard that you've read was there was a battle that the, the they needed to win, and the and I can't remember what battle it was. I, I'm so ashamed of myself, but they were starting to lose and they were starting to falter. So it, it, it's like the scene from The Patriot, I believe, is kind of loosely based off of this, although it wasn't like that. It wasn't a militia guy. It was actually George Washington. They were starting to lose a battle, and they were starting to fault. The lines were faltering. And so George Washington, in the middle of the battle, rode his horse to the front line and British are shooting at them. That's why I always felt like this country is God ordained because there's no way he should have survived that. And then just rally the troops and they, they come back and win and just stuff like that. Where when, when you look at that period, it's like, this is, this is why we are, who we are, you know? And, and so that's, there's a lot of those uh, type of battles that, um, that I kind of like, but like a lot of the gorilla stories are kind of like, that's kind yeah. of us, you know? And yeah, right. Cause we, we were the underdog and we went out and beat the big boy. But um, as far as like more recent history, man, I got to tell you, um, I still say midway. I still say the battle of midway is still, I mean, there's just something about that battle that just kind of does it for me, you know, cause we had to, we had to have a little bit of luck, right. Which I think when you go back to our founding, there was some luck involved you know, with fog and different weather things kind of bailing you out a little bit, but you had a little bit of luck, um, because radar was not what it ended up being by the end of the war, but just, uh, just great strategists. And then also you started to see, I mean, because that was even before, uh, the military, you know, the, or the, the, the industry started to ramp up because we, we were down to our last few cr- carriers as, like by the end of the war, we had 20, 30 carriers. I mean, it's just, we just overwhelmed them with our industrial power and industrial right. might. But yeah. Midway was such a fascinating battle because that was one where Japan had the numbers. They had the advantage. They had six, five, actually five carriers because one of their carriers was getting repaired because it had gotten hurt. And one, I think Coral Sea had gotten damaged. Coral Sea we had five carriers, our three. And one of our three, uh, the Yorktown, it was even a miracle that they were even able to get it up and running to get back in the fight because it had gotten damaged, I think, in the Coral Sea battle as well. We had lost Lexington. We'd lost the Saratoga. And it just was like, look, if we don't win this battle, we're going to be in trouble for a little bit. Right. And so you had this great strategy. And then Bull Halsey gets sick. And so he can't be there. You got to bring in Ray Spruance. And it just is, but then it just came down to, you know, our code breakers breaking the breaking that and then the the tricking the Japanese into confirming that Midway was where they were going and, and just all that. And then, and then just, you know, that's where the the new movie Midway had such an impact for me because you, you finally see the pilots and what they had to go through to do what they did. And I mean, you want to talk about the biggest stones in the history of, of, of warfare to me are diver di- bomb, like um the dive pilots right like the diver pilots the guys that were not the torpedo guys but the guys that were just I mean just going straight down with anti-aircraft flak and machine guns and zeros and they're just nope I'm locked in I got to drop this bomb and the fact that we were able to sink all four carriers in one battle and just completely change the tide of the war uh that's there's just always been something about that battle for me that has just been kind of like the most american thing cuz also it was a navy it was a naval battle and, you know, that's, we've kind of always, we've had the world's best Navy supposedly since then. But, uh, I think some of the other ones where you get down to it is just, um, you know, probably some of the, some of the battle like D-Day, you know, days like that, some of the battles, like, you know, the battle for Iwo Jima, you know, some of those where it just, it just took men of courage, facing brutal reality of war that said, I've been tasked to do my duty and I'm going to do it in, in ways that I could never fathom of having the courage to do what they do. And so, and, and, with, you know, it's just uh, like all of those to me, cause that's what America is to me. Like when you, when you look at it from that standpoint, it's, 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 if we're talking about from a war standpoint, it's, it's not the glory of war it's it's the the courage of men to say i'm going to do something that no one else has the courage to do and that i don't have the courage to do sure. Me personally i don't have the courage to do and so those are um those are those moments you know the people that are willing to sacrifice everything so that others don't have to uh and now some of those guys obviously they were drafted but when they were drafted they said okay i'm here i'm, I'm gonna fight right. for my country and, and i'm gonna do what i gotta do so th- those are the things that that um that uh make me want to yell that that's like when i watch the patriots like that scene where where he takes the flag and he's running out i'm like everybody's
1: running the other direction and yeah he's like, you know yeah. yeah
2: he's running to it yeah uh yeah and those are those are the people you say when 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 gunfire breaks out the ones that run to
1: yeah, the sound right. of gunfire
2: not away are the ones right. that you're like yeah we're, we're we're still free because of those guys yeah exactly right? um that's pretty cool we can pretty still cool sit here moments. and talk football for three hours and 40 minutes (laughs) what's that (laughs) i said we can talk we can talk football yeah exactly right exactly exactly there's another there was another um war question i wanted to get to from Irish for life uh he's got a two-parter real quick that we'll we'll, we'll get a few more football questions before we get out of here
1: which military officer do you give greatest credit for us winning the american revolutionary war francis marion uh baron friedrich von steuben washington marquis de lafayette Daniel Morgan, Nathaniel Green, other, and why? Which one doesn't get credit they deserve? Which gets too much credit?
2: Well, what's interesting is I think the answer for, for the second – so the answer for who gets the most credit is also kind of the guy that I would give the answer to sometimes who gets too much credit. It's George Washington. George Washington. And yeah. Allow me to explain. So the reason I think George Washington uh, is, is get, should get the greatest credit is because – he was such a famous figure that he was able to actually keep the war effort going. He was the one that was able to lobby to get sure. the things that they needed. He was the he was the figure that the the troops would look up to as when when the general would like you said would go th- to the front line saying he's in it with us. He he he's sacrificing yeah. with us. He was there in the trenches with them. Uh, he was able to kind of keep them going long enough to where the others could then start to have a say and where some of the supplies from the french and then eventually the french get over where those things if he doesn't do what he did early in the war it doesn't even get to the point sure they give up where a lot of those other generals had an impact so um that's just kind of once for me now francis marion is the guy that some people believe benjamin martin's character in in um in uh the The main guy that Benjamin Martin, yeah, it's like a, a conglomeration of. Of, right? Right. But Francis, Francis Marion's the one they primarily because he was a more of a militia fighter type of thing. Uh, he he'd be one, but like Marquis de Lafayette gets talked about a lot, so I don't think he is is under. Nathaniel Green, I I think Daniel Morgan had a big impact too because what they, what he was able to do and and what the people down in the in the South because they were we were getting destroyed in the South, and so then Cornwallis and the rest were about to come up north, and then they were about to hit washington like this and it had been over but the 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 militia and the gr- sort of the guerrilla warfare was able to keep that other part of the yeah. force in the south long enough to where we could finally start doing some things in the north so but honestly at the end of the day means all of them played yeah, a right role. Yep. i mean they all played a big role in it but but sometimes but like, like washington was I, I don't know if he was necessarily the greatest military mind that we had at the time Right, there were others that were better strategists, <laughs> you know. But he sure. sure was a but but part of being a great a leader, leader is there yeah. you go. Part of yeah. being a great general is that right there. Yeah. And um and you surrounding know, so, yourself
1: with guys who can do that kind of stuff. Right. And you know, and just had, like uh, the civil
2: war, it took them a while sometimes to find those right guys. Yes, it did. So <laughs> the North yeah. went through so many <laughs> of those yeah. guys. But it was also true early in the Revolutionary War as well. So yeah. Good question. Let's 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 end with some football questions here, Vince. We got a couple more here that I want to get to, uh, that I that we'll find here. Here's an interesting one. This is a football question, but not a Notre Dame one. Irish blooded favorite non Notre Dame college football game you have seen. I, I it's hard. There's a lot we can go with. The 5 Texas USC game that's, is hard for me not to go with that's that. that what one. I was going to say, I yeah, that was
1: a big one, and I I was riveted to that one because of. The USC part of it. Like, right. that's why I was interested in it uh, because of that, what happened with that season and and just the talent that they had and the whole thing. And uh, yeah, that was one heck of a game for sure. I'm trying to think of any other one that I would put in you know, Ohio State that Miami back
2: in 02 was a really good one. Okay. I mean, that was a great game. We've seen some, we've seen, I mean, um, Alabama, uh, Clemson in 16 was a really good game 15 and 16 were both great games but uh the 15 the 16 game was really good because i mean the team that i wanted to win won. i mean that was a really good game ohio state georgia last year was a all-time classic sure I mean, that was a tremendous game michigan ohio state 06. that was a that was a big one that was a great game uh so again we're talking non-notre dame games here the uh what was it clemson ohio state when
1: uh trevor lawrence the team on his back and oh 19 yeah
2: game because of the way he was running the football yeah. like that yeah that was a that was a, that was a good game because i liked that ohio state didn't win but it was <laughs> a sloppy game i, I didn't enjoy yeah. that game it was a little bit sloppy one of the best games i ever saw i've said this before is and i can't remember what year it was but it was when dan hawkins was at boise state and i'm gonna have another boise one here in a second but when uh louisville boise played a great bowl game music city bowl game back then okay. but then of course oklahoma and Boise was a Boise phenomenal game. See, I yeah. like games that are great games, not great finishes. Okay, right? Like some of those games, like like Penn State Notre Dame in 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 1992 was not a great game. It was a great finish. It was a pretty ugly game leading up till the very end when Notre Dame scored to win it. Right? Like, uh, but it was a it was a pretty sloppy game otherwise. So I, the Texas USC was a great game. Miami Florida St- Miami Florida Miami Ohio State in 02 was a great game. It was a you know. Uh, Oklahoma Boys was a great game. They were, you know, start to finish games. Those are some of my favorite. I'm trying to think some regular season games because a lot of those are bowl games, but uh you know Michigan, Ohio State was a really good one. There's been a lot of great games over the years. There really has. I'm trying to think there was a there was a game. I can't remember. Oh, Texas Texas Tech played a, a phenomenal game in Colt McCoy's, I think junior year. It's the game that Michael Crabtree had the
1: Crabtree, the game a sideline catch or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. That was one. a
2: great game. That was a great yeah. game. Those are some good ones. All right, let's get to a couple more here. Here's here's another college football one, Benson. I'll quickly ask. All right. More likely to make the playoff this year between Florida State and Washington. It's probably Florida State, because they'll have a they have, I think they have a better top-to-bottom team. They have a better defense. And they're going to get more benefit of the doubt if they have a loss, but they're going to have more opportunities to have game program, like season defining wins. They get LSU. There's a good chance to get Clemson twice, you know, so where if they're, if they're 12 and one 13, at the end of the year, they're, they're going to be in, but you know, they have the best chance to go 12 and one to me. Sure. uh, Compared to Florida state, it won't be easy. Neither of them will be easy, but they have a they certainly have a chance uh, to me. There's no question about that. Um, Thought, Vince, you have a difference of opinion on that? I, I just because they both have a I, challenging schedule and I just think...
1: I agree degree. with you. I agree yeah. with you, but I want Washington over Florida State. How about that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of like what Mike Norvell's doing there and and I think yeah. it's good for college football. The Florida State's good again. uh, You know, I, I look at Washington's schedule. They got to play at... They got to play Oregon at USC, home against Utah at Oregon State, plus a rematch with somebody. It, it you know, both of them have challenging schedules. I think Forest H is more prepared to handle their challenging schedule, to be honest with you. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I'm at. A uh, couple more here that we'll, we'll ask for, we get out of here. I think we asked this one uh, or M Sleep says, who had the better receiving core, Drew Pine or Jack Cohn? I would argue Jack Cohn did. I mean, you had Kevin Austin, Michael Mayer, you had uh, Lorenzo Styles, Avery Davis for most of the year. I would say that one probably. Yep. I agree. You know, Kevin, Kevin Austin was better than anybody had Notre Dame, Notre Dame had last year. Receiver. Plus, you still had Michael yes. Mayer. It was a great. Yep. It was a great player. Yeah, and I don't think it's all that close. To be honest with you. No. Uh, yeah, I think it's somewhat close by the by the end of the year. But Notre Dame's receiving core early last year was pretty rough. Right. It was pretty rough uh here's an interesting one from pete weber uh brian and vince what do you guys think is the most underrated pieces of merch in the ib store Whoa, that you're shocked doesn't get purchased more well vince you can't really say who what does and doesn't get purchased more because you don't really know i was gonna say, yeah i'm not privy to that information yeah. um
1: i mean i gotta look at it because i there's some cool stuff in there yeah does, is, is, does, the, does the
2: white hat get a lot of love because that's my favorite a little piece bit of merch in there. a little bit a little bit okay. Yeah, the, the pullover, but that's partly maybe because of cost. We got a bucket hat in there that I think is pretty cool. Oh, that's, uh, hoodies that's get, fairly hoodie new. Hoodies Huh? The bucket hat, is that new? Some that somewhat. Been in there. Like okay. in the last few months. Yeah, somewhat. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that the sweats don't get, although the most recent, pur- recent purchase in the store was the sweats. But okay. as much as we've talked about how comfortable those right. sweats are, the fact that more people haven't bought them is all uh, the surprising time. to me because they are so, so comfortable. And T-shirts don't get bought as much as I thought. I think hmm. a lot of hoodies get bought and a lot of hats get bought, but T-shirts okay. don't get bought a lot. The hoodies are. but yeah, those. And though. then I got a notepad that's in there too, that I absolutely love. It's uh this right here. Okay. that's in the bookstore. I use this for all like my business notes. I, I need this to get like, one of those. This is like my little green, you know, notebook from the coach and, uh, oh. and, uh <laughs> Waterboy. Waterboy. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I need to add some new stuff. I was gonna, I was gonna add a book bag and a couple other tote things, but they're just made in a place where I just, you know, I haven't been able to do the research to find out if they're okay or not, so I can't add those in there right now. But uh, yeah, that's a good one. Here, here, here's a couple. Vince, we'll get, we'll get uh, two more, and then we'll get out of here. In two uh, from Scott in 2022, Notre Dame opponents got into the red zone 34
1: times. Indeed, opponents scored 27 touchdowns out of those 34 tries. How can we improve this year? Is there any info that Notre Dame is addressing this issue? Of course, they're addressing the issue. They were dead last in that. Well,
2: category. I mean, are they doing the right things to address it that we don't know? And any info like that that I would have, I would put on the premium board, not probably discuss here. Uh, but as far as how can they improve, number one, be better stopping the run. That's the that's a big one. Number two, these are the two biggest ones for me, Vince is having a better sense of what you're doing defensively from a player standpoint will allow them to make more plays. And and then number three, trust your players more in the red zone. Right. And and I think Al Golden is always trying to scheme up a stop mm-hmm. instead of just saying, Hey, I, I, I got pretty good players. I'm gonna let them go play. Right. And, and be gap sound. Don't let the quarterback get out of the pocket. Be gap sound. Turn your, turn your pass rushers loose. Let your guys play man coverage and get after it. So yeah. I think that's the big thing for me. Uh, I think creating more negatives would help too. They, they weren't a great negatives team last year, Vince. To me, and when you're getting into the red zone, the best thing you can do in the red zone is a first and ten tackle for loss.
1: Yeah, that. Absolutely. And now they got to
2: try to throw on a short and a shortened field. That's a tough place it's to be. Condensed teams are always yeah. ahead of schedule against, or on schedule, I should say, against Notre Dame defensively, which is why so many teams went on for fourth. They had multiple fourth downs that they gave up. T- BYU had one. I think Carolina had two fourth down touchdowns against Notre Dame because you allow them to stay on schedule to where fourth is fourth down is manageable for them to go for it right. against. Notre and there Notre Dame.
1: was, there was also plenty of opportunities uh, first and goal where they scored touchdowns. Like they would get in the red zone and be first and goal touchdown. Like it was just, they they just didn't hold up man.
2: And sometimes, I mean, there was a couple 100. times they, they did hold up much better and then give up a fourth down. Right. So it's just, right. It's just this weird consistency. But at the end of the day, they both go down to not being a, a good enough run defense. Yeah. And uh, you know, you just got to do better to create more negatives in my opinion uh, to, to be more disruptive. I think that's a big, big part of it. I want to end on this one. Uh, hold on one second. He, he, yeah, here we go. This is, this is the one I want to end on from we are not Marshall.
1: All right. It says, is there enough quality depth on this roster outside of quarterback? What position group can we not afford to have injuries?" I obviously don't want anyone to be
2: injured. Just would like your insight. I think this team has enough quality depth. I do. Uh, there are two spots that I don't want to have an injury, really three. But that's the, if 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 the running back depth chart as a whole is healthy, they can sustain an injury. Mm-hmm. If Jerry and Price and some other guys aren't back to full speed, then they can't afford an injury. To me, the biggest, it's more of a position, right? Outside of quarterback, it's left tackle. And then safety, to me, those are the two that I look at and say you just can't afford to have an injury at those positions. Absolutely, and it's even better now at safety because of Antonio Carter. Right. It was really bad before he came, but even still, you know, he's an you're a safety injury away from a freshman has to play. Right. Right. And uh, you know, if Ben Minich is playing this year, I want it to be because he's just that good and he's ready to play. Same with Don Schuler, not because somebody got hurt. Yeah, a couple guys got hurt and weren't playing well, and you had to play him. Well, we did
1: add Harrison Smith
2: to the team too. So we should be good at safety. That's <laughs> yes, well played. Well played. Well played. All right, Vince. Well that is that is gonna be it, man. We gotta we gotta get rolling because the uh the uh the next show is gonna start. Right. That's right. And I need a pee break. Yeah. So <laughs> we you could have you could have gone without telling us all that. So we're all good. So anyway. Take us out of here. It's all good. Hey,
1: everybody, thank you for joining us on this edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast, our Friday free for all mailbag. We love having you here. It's the best day of the week, people. We'll be back tomorrow. Don't That's forget to what I was you. just going to say. We So, first of all, you got to hit the like button, the subscribe button. You got to tell your friends, you got to share, and you got to hit the notification bell because you never know when there's going to be an unscheduled show like, I don't know, tomorrow at one o'clock. Scheduled for us, not scheduled for you. So make sure you tune in. Make sure you hit that notification bell because we're going to be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock to do a positional breakdown, and uh, we would love to have you join us. A little Saturday afternoon sizzle, so make sure you join us for that. So for Brian, I'm Vince. you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.